0: Welcome to another episode of Lawyer Lifter podcast and um, in the midst of a lot of upheaval in my life just with the move into the home and finishing construction in the new home I wanted to dial it back to some observations that I had um, become privy to. So this episode is dedicated to uplifting women, fellow women. And I have occasion to talk to actually not a lot of women who are um, contemporaries in my age bracket and in my uh, profession, um, but actually women who are on the up and up, who are starting out in their careers, who just graduated uh, college, who are trying to think of secondary education, who are also um, thinking about powerlifting as something more competitive versus something that's a hobby. And I just thought about this special demographic and how one of the things that I really want to use Uplift for is not only a beacon for the little guy being the small business owners and just... um, everything the the davids versus the goliaths that's always been the trajectory and the heart of uplift law but also as a flagship for um women who are also in the minority women in general as a sex and also women who um are not caucasian or just not um Uh, in that popular demographic and who are also choose to run in an industry or industries that are still quite uh, male-dominated because that's just my background. So I wanted to talk about some of the questions that I get that I'm truly um, honored to actually get. uh, These questions come to me via DM or just by way of the fact that Um, In the powerlifting community, we heard it from some of these guests like Susan Salazar, like um, Amanda Kohatsu, powerlifting isn't um, very old when it comes to women joining the sport. And it's especially very young for women who are... um, Thinking about being national or being competitive and so I Train in facilities where there's actually, you know, I am the oldest or one of the oldest in Any of the training facilities that I lift in I typically lift at SoCal powerlifting in Irvine and also exceed um, in Anaheim so those uh, facilities are dominated by young women in their early 20s, um, early 20s to mid 20s. So it's a very specific demographic. And I always get that question like, you know, what if I really wanted to make something of myself, if I wanted to um, get competitive, like what are the first steps to doing so? And I think one of the um, things that I have to say is, trust professionals. I mean, this is separate from finding the right professional, but understand that looking things up online, going to YouTube, going to Instagram, going to all your social media avenues is not a substitute for Looking and doing the research for a coach who will fit your personality um, Fit your training schedule fit your lifestyle because if you're really trying to be nationally competitive and if you want to uh, Climb the ranks, it's imperative that you you go and find a professional you find a coach uh, That will fit you and that also understand that you don't have to be with a coach forever and ever I cycled through um, three coaches before Juan Sanchez, who's been my current coach. Um, And my first coach was a guest here, so Susan Salazar, very first coach. Then I moved to Max Aida of Juggernaut. And then Zach Bartel, who is the CEO of Um, SoCal powerlifting in Irvine and then into Juan Sanchez who sits at the head as the head coach of SoCal powerlifting in Irvine as well. So understand that when you begin know that as with anything um, professionally and personally you'll you will grow and that means that um, sometimes you outgrow your coaches and you need to be okay with that. So when you think about being competitive, also get into that mindset that, all right, I'm going to go get a professional. And I'm also going to understand that that professional isn't going to be with me forever and ever. And that's okay. Because as you progress, as you get better, as you find your groove, um, perhaps the coach does... Not fit where you want to go, and that's very typical in uh, competitive powerlifting. So, I the first step is go trust a professional, and then I would say, um, if you are considering USA powerlifting, um, that is a two hour weigh in before. Lift off. And that means you must make your weight. And then two hours later, you need to refeed and replenish your body so you can compete. And that requires another professional. Again, I would say don't rely on any of the social media platforms to get your knowledge because you really do need a professional who will be able to manipulate your um, nutrition and guide you to the proper nutritional intake throughout your training cycle and then up to competition. So what I mean by that is when, let's say in this scenario, you do find a coach, well, and you set a date for your first um, competition. And so that coach is going to program you um to be ready for that, uh, date. The same goes with a fitness nutritionist is that this person is going to follow, um, your coaching program and make sure that, okay, well, I see that, um, during this month, you're really going to be hitting hard because, um, maybe your competition is creeping up. So I need to adjust um, the macros, meaning the amounts of protein, carbs, and fats you intake to supplement or to ensure that your body is fueled enough to hit those training days. And also, it's really important for if you do choose to compete in this federation, USAPL, that you uh, maintain a certain body weight or you're in striking distance from your competitive weight class. So that means you kind of like, need to eat proper. Of course, like you have your cheat meals here and there, but it's it's the same thing with a powerlifting coach. When you have a coach, you're able to say, hey, my body doesn't feel good. You know, when I did this lift, um, you know, it felt like this. Maybe I need some help adjusting my stance or my form needs adjustment. Same goes with nutrition. You know, if that is also a lot of trial and error and an injury. Intimacy with your nutritionist. Now, on this podcast, um, I had brought in my personal uh, fitness nutritionist, and that's Laura Sinclair. And she's been with me, I think, you know, I mean, I've lost count already, but we're for sure six to seven years going in. And she's been absolutely pivotal to my ability to stay healthy. Um, throughout training, and also um, to making weight every single time, knock on wood. And I've, uh, I compete in USAPL with that twenty-two uh, hour weigh-in, I did begin at in USPA, which is that federation that does a twenty-four hour weigh-in, which is you weigh in and then um, you get to refeed for twenty-four hours, and then the next day you um, hit the platform. So I've done both, and even still, I would recommend that you do need both a coach and a nutritionist. So there's the that and what I I always try to make these analogies. Um, I don't. I mean, not try, but they just seem so very natural. My namesake is lawyer lifter, and being a lawyer, I'm going on. I'm I've been doing this for a decade, and I'm not. Perfect. And there's a reason why they call it the practice, the practice of law. Because no matter how many years I'm going to be practicing law, it is still practice. There's always something new in my practicing the law that I come about. And that's the same that carries over for powerlifting. I've been competitive since day one. I said to myself, like, I don't want to do this as a hobby necessarily. I want, I want this to be something that's um, competitive. Like that. That's what I want to dedicate whatever free time I have to uh, competitive powerlifting. And with powerlifting, understand that when you start this road. Um, it's much like practicing. You're never going to be perfect. It is, you're always, no matter how long you've been doing this sport, there's always going to be things to adjust and uh, scenarios to learn from. And even now, as I begin the new competitive season, I start, I compete for 2022 nationals. Um, and to qualify, get on the board to qualify on November 20th. So even still, I'm tinkering with my coach, uh the basics, you know, like my back squat, whether, you know, my feet, uh, positioning is good or, you know, my bracing, my breathing, there's those little things that can always be adjusted and you are always, um, progressing and trying to get better. So understand that competitive powerlifting is not, you're never just going to be like, I'm done. I'm, I'm the best. Like I'm good. It's, it's a journey and it's a journey that keeps going until you decide maybe I'll retire. And I have said, um, To so many people, when they've asked me, like, how long are you going to do this? And, you know, like, um, what can I expect from just competing and competing? What's the end? And it's like, well, there really isn't an end. But it also is, don't take this seriously. Because at the end of the day, I think I've been competitive. I want to say for oh, go, going over 4 year, maybe 5 years I think. I've lost count already. But um if it's not fun, then stop doing it. And there will be points in your competitive career where you just get too too into it and that happened to me personally. I think my last nationals was in Lombard, Illinois. And I believe that was 2019. Um, I was just burnt out from competitive powerlifting. And it couldn't have come at a more perfect time. Because as you guys know, in 2020, COVID happened. And there was absolutely no um, competition. So I needed that time to just not compete. Um, Because it wasn't fun anymore. And it's not like powerlifting is ever, ever. I mean, people are going to be like, oh, Mel, that's controversial because there's so many people who are just... Yearning for powerlifting to be an Olympic sport. It's never gonna be an Olympic sport. It's not. Um and weightlifting's not even um popular when it come in in um in the Olympics. So powerlifting is just definitely not gonna be a an Olympic sport. Also, there's no money in competitive powerlifting. I mean, it's difficult, super difficult. So essentially, what are you doing this for except clout? Except rank among like a very specific community. You're doing it for fun. And I th- would say to anybody who's going to start this competitive journey that understand it's a journey that you can jump on and off of. And as soon as it becomes too serious, then you need to reevaluate and jump off and take a break because that will happen. You will get burnt out, you will get, you know, tired, and it's okay to take a break and also understand that it's not that serious. There's other serious, there's so many other serious things in the world. So again, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, my God, how can you're this is you're saying like not to take powerlifting seriously. And it's like, absolutely, I'm absolutely telling you, do the competitive powerlifting, don't take it too super serial because it's not your end all be all. It's not your career. Powerlifting's not gonna pay your bills. In fact, your other thing is the thing that's fueling powerlifting, because powerlifting takes money. So <laughs> you've gotta get you've gotta get your priorities straight and understand that you know. Maybe it's not like a hobby hobby, but it's certainly not your full-time gig. And as soon as it becomes tedious, you have to reevaluate. Um, So that's the second thing. The third thing I would say to all the newbies out there who are going to um, start that competitive uh, journey is don't think that if you get all the gear All the best that that's going to somehow magically transform you. Cinderella powerlifting. No. There is a quote out there that's like, you can have $200 squat shoes and a two cent squat. And that's absolutely true. Um, Don't spend money on the latest and greatest stuff um, just yet. Why? Because who the fuck cares About your gear when you look like shit, like your form is shit, like you can't, um, you're not doing much weight, you know, like I, (laughs) that's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And I'm laughing at you (laughs) because it just does not matter what you look like in the gym. What matters is what you put out there on the platform. And that means, Don't spend all your money on expensive shit. Go get borrow stuff and then work your way or get something secondhand um, and then uh, do then invest. So and people are like, well, what do you use? And it's like, well, I'll tell you, Okay, before we became counsel for a virus, I had always been in virus gear and it's not the sexiest. It's not the most loud. um, It's not it's not Lululemon. It's not all those like uh, basically bathing suits that you train in. No, like I'm every training day, I'm pretty much no makeup and fully clothed. And I choose virus because it moves with my body. It's it's just a bit, it lasts. And I've always been in virus since I I started. So that's like five years. Um, So that's what I don in the gym. Um, I use Nike um, shoes for squatting weightlifting or shoes i the heels and uh knee sleeves from a7 um we are counsel for a7 and i find that their knee sleeves are very they're less expensive than the spd brand um i think that they just hug better i welcome i mean you just have to try stuff but again i'm just telling you what i use uh, un, but understand that that don't go out and drop like hundreds of dollars thinking that that's the first step into your competitive journey. It's not, it's probably one of the last last things I'm very superstitious when I compete. So I might as well, I like do the sign of the cross. I have lucky underwear. I like am very habitual when I compete. So I like, you know, um, I don't like to change up, um my my gear because I'm superstitious. So um I will literally be in things until they're they're tattered because I think that they're lucky. <laughs> so um there's that, you know, with belts, power belts, like I have gone through so many powerlifting belts uh, because it's just not a matter of what's popular but a matter of what fits my body and when you are training your body you g- gets like recompositioned. Um, And so my body has changed where, you know, maybe I'm for a year I was wearing this kind of belt and then my body doesn't, you know, like my form doesn't go very well with that kind of belt. So I will tell you in the trunk of my car, I literally have like so many spare things because just my training, my nutrition and my body has changed over the years that Um, I've had to do different belts. Um, So I started with Pioneer. Um, I moved to SBD. And right now I think I have a tapered belt because I have a small um, torso. And so it's very skinny in the front, but regular in the back. And I think that's um, Titan. Uh, So anyway, like, Again, I'm just telling you what I use. My wrist wraps are also A7. Um, I like those wrist wraps because it's a double loop and um, it's just easy to take on and off. Um, when you're thinking about your gear, for me, I think of um, no fuss, n- uh, very little inconvenience. I'm not there to for you to look at me you know, I'm there for you to look at my form. Like I'm not, and I would say that at the end of the day, like that is what your mindset should be competitively is not how you look um, on your gym selfies or or whatever. If you have the prettiest face when you're lifting, it's um, what do you got on the bar and can you do it with the proper form? Uh, and that's always been my goal. And that's what I would share with all those would be uh, beginners doing competitive, um, trying to competitively lift. Um, so those are my top three things. Get professionals, trust in professionals, um, also understand that things will change in your training where you will be cycling through, um, professionals. And then also, um, don't care too much about the gear, the gear is secondary to your ability to lift the weight and to lift the weight with proper form because that's all those three judges will care about is what's on the bar and did you do it right, not how you look. So that concludes Mel's powerlifting tips on that end. And tune in next time because I do want to go over some of the questions that I get from young women who are wondering, you know, like I just graduated college. I want more out of life. And that is probably one of the sexiest, one of the most heartwarming things that gets asked of me is like, you know, they look at me, I don't know, m- maybe maternal. God, I hope not. But it's... <laughs> um, these 22 year olds, 23 year olds fresh out of college and they wonder like, well, what now? Like, I don't want to just do this. And I I love it when I hear that and I would um, also challenge my colleagues who are also running in my age bracket. if you do find yourself being questioned by a young woman, take the time, take them out to lunch or a meal or whatever, and just like talk to them because there I'd never had a mentor on the professional side zero, like none. Um, and I'm sad about that. Um, I had to learn things through a lot of shit. Um, uh, had, I had someone who I could talk to who would kind of get me like a roadmap. I would have loved that. I would have definitely listened. And so, um, next episode, uplifting your fellow women and listen to the young ladies out there. Don't just like, you know think like oh they're what whatever generation we are in I don't know if it's X I I have absolutely no idea but the the generation that's like light years below mine um listen to them and see if you can't impart wisdom on them and think about like had I known this, would I have done that so, That's next episode, guys. Thanks for listening in. And I hope all you females out there who are going to embark on that competitive powerlifting take up these top three pieces of advice from Lawyer Lifter. Thank you for listening to the Lawyer Lifter podcast. You can listen to other podcasts at www.lawyerlifter.com or your favorite podcast apps. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.